0: We are up to mitzvah number 131. Again, we are still in Leviticus, but we have reached a milestone in Leviticus in that we have finished the mitzvahs that are featured in the first parsha of Leviticus, Parshas Vayikra. And now we're on to the mitzvahs that are featured in the second parsha in the book of Leviticus, Parshas Tzav. And this is a very interesting mitzvah, the clearing away of the ashes atop the altar. In the temple, in the tabernacle, there was an altar. Upon the altar, you would process sacrifices. The first sacrifice of the day is the carbon tamed, the daily tamed sacrifice. The last sacrifice of the day is the afternoon, the daily afternoon tamed sacrifice. In between, you have all the other sacrifices that are brought, the ones that are obligatory, the ones that are optional, volunteer sacrifices. And then you have those two bookend sacrifices, the Talmud offering of the morning and of the afternoon. And overnight, the animals, the sacrifices were burning atop the altar. This, by the way, mirrors the prayer schedule. We have the morning prayer that is a fulfillment, so to speak, of the morning Talmud offering. The afternoon prayer is the afternoon Talmud offering. And the evening prayer, which can go the whole night, That corresponds to the burning of the sacrifices done overnight. In the morning, there are a lot of coals and ashes atop the altar. Before the beginning of the day's services, before you start any sacrifices, we have mitzvah number 131. And that is to clear away the ashes from atop the altar, the ashes from yesterday, the ashes from the sacrifices of the day prior. Before you offer any new sacrifices, you remove the ashes of the previous day's sacrifices. This is done by a Cohen. He takes a special shovel and he digs into the coals and he scoops up some coals that's been really, really burnt well. Ideally not the coals of, of logs of wood, but really ones of animals, of sacrifices that have been really, really burnt well. And he scoops a shovel full and he walks down the ramp of the altar and he deposits the ashes near the altar in a designated location. In that place, there were other things like various feathers or birth sacrifices, though not burnt. This is on the eastern side of the altar. And the Talmud tells us that these ashes would miraculously be absorbed into the ground. Now the Kohen, this myth was only by taking one shovelful of ashes from atop the altar. What about the rest of the ashes that were present atop the altar? So they remain piled up on the altar. They are moved to the side as we shall see, but they remain atop the altar until it gets full. And then it's when it's time to clear it out, there's a sec a second process this is not a standalone mitzvah but there's a separate process called ho to remove the ashes periodically. There was a complete cleaning of the altar. all the ashes were removed, and they would be placed outside the city not on the floor of the temple but outside the city. but this is not done every day and this is not our mitzvah now when the tabernacle was still being used during the course of the 40 years in the wilderness, whenever they transported the altar, they cleared it off entirely. But the mitzvah that we're talking about today, mitzvah number 131, that relates to the daily practice of removing a shovel full of ashes each morning. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, the book that we are using to study the 630 mitzvos, in every mitzvah he gives us a reason, some idea that makes sense to us, Why would we have this requirement to remove a shovel full of ashes every day and then on occasion to remove all of them? That is to beautify and glorify the temple. The temple is about having a place where we can advance our relationship with the Almighty. And part of it, of course, is sacrifices and all the other things that were done in the temple. But it's much nicer when there's not so much ashes strewn about. It's more beautiful when the altar is cleaned, it's cleansed, it's polished of all the ashes. And he also adds, when there's, of course, a fire atop the altar, when there's so much ashes everywhere, the fire doesn't burn as brightly it's influenced by the environment so you clean it out and the fire burns better these are two reasons that he offers us to make the temple a nicer place and then the the impact of the location of the, of the temple is going to be augmented it's going to be more powerful and also the fire will burn more brightly and thus it'll be a more powerful fire now as he always does the Chinuch offers us a sampling of mitzvah so again every mitzvah follows the same pattern, gives us the basic idea of the mitzvah and the reason, or a reason that can be palatable for us and some sampling of laws. He tells us this is a priestly service, meaning it cannot be done by an ordinary Israelite, it must be done by a priest. And the priest must be properly attired, bedecked in the special garments of, of the priest. He wore the specially priestly garb. However, it's not the same priestly garb as he offered for service. Think about it. You know, you're going up to the, to the top of the altar and you're getting a bunch of ashes and you're shaking all the ashes about. You can imagine how dirty you would get doing that. So therefore, there is a separate set of garments that every Cohen had. It's the same garments, but they're old. They're maybe like a backup hair. You know, it's like when you... When you get your clothing dirty, you say, okay, when I paint the house, I'll wear these, you know, these pants and this shirt. This is like my dirty clothing. It's the same clothing, but now it's a little tattered, it's a little ripped. It's the backup pair. The Kohanim, the priest, would have a backup pair of clothing. It's the same clothing. You have to wear the special priestly garb. But it doesn't be like the, the nicest one because you're after all going to get very dirty and you're going to be all, all full of ashes and you know, so you wear a separate designated garment to, to not get your other set of garments all dirty and soiled. It's not appropriate for someone to do the work in the temple when they have soiled and dirty garments. And the example that he gives is that it's not appropriate to serve a master with soiled garments. You think of how in a restaurant you have the cooks, the line cooks, and they're all with the food and they're getting all dirty and sweaty. And then the waiters are all dressed, you know, to the nines. They have their bow ties. Everything looks perfect. Because if you're going to present the food, you want to make sure that you're dressed properly. Similarly, if you're going to do the work, the service in the temple, you have to be dressed perfectly. When you're clearing out the garbage, so to speak, you wear your more soiled garments to do that service. Now, when is this done? So the Severin tells us that it depends. On a typical day, it's done at dawn. On festivals, these, these are busier temple days. It's done at the beginning of the last third of the night. You divide the night into three. And the beginning of the last third, so 67% of the way through the night, that's when it's done on festivals. And on Yom Kippur, the busiest day in the temple of the year, especially because there's only one Kohen to do all the work, we get started much earlier. It starts at midnight. And then he tells us how it is done. The Kohen that wins the lottery, not the lottery as we shall see, the coin who wins the lottery to be the one to remove the ashes, they first must immerse in a mikvah, And then they get dressed, again in the backup pair of clothing. And they wash their hands and feet from the key or from the laver. And the other Kohanim would warn them not to touch the pan, don't touch the shovel, until you wash your hands and your feet. The shovel, by the way, is made of silver. And the Sefer Chinuch gives us the exact location of the shovel where it's typically placed. It's on the west side of the altar, between the altar and the ramp. He takes the shovel, and he ascends the altar, and he arrives, and there's, you know, the smoldering heap, there's still a fire, there has to always be a fire atop the altar, but yesterday's sacrifices are now coals, but he maneuvers the coals, moves them to and fro this way and that way, until he scoops up some coals that are really, really well done, and he takes in the shovel, and he descends the altar down the ramp. And instead of making a right turn to go to the west side of the altar when he walks south down the ramp, instead of making a right turn, he makes a left turn and goes on the east side of the altar north, walks about 10 cubits to the designated spot where the ashes are placed, places the ashes and the coals on the floor. And again, this is where the other items were placed, the feathers of the birds and the leftovers, the ashes of the inner altar, and the ashes of the menorah. And this is the daily mitzvah of the Trumas Hadeshin, of the removal of the ashes. And afterwards, the Kohanim, will all of them, will go up on top of the altar. Of course, they have to wash their hands and feet first. And they would take shovels and forks, and they would pile up the rest of the ashes, not that one scoop full. The rest of the ashes, they would put on in a designated spot atop the altar. And then when that gets filled up, they would load it up into a large copper vessel, load all those piles, those mounds of ashes into a large copper vessel and it will be transported outside the camp, outside the city. This is a very interesting mitzvah. The first activity done in the temple every day, the removal of the ashes, and again, there are two types of removal. The mitzvah is one coin who wins the lottery with the shovel and following that specific designated process. And then when it really, really loads up When the ashes really are overflowing, it would all be removed, but that's not the daily mitzvah 131. Now, this is a really interesting part of the daily tabernacle and temple protocol. And the Talmud tells us that there's a reason why they had to do a lottery. You think about it, you know, there are a lot of jobs in, in, in a house that people really like to do. You know, they want to cut up the steak. You know, or or they, they like uh my kids like to sweep the floor, but not to like scoop it up just to just to move around with the broom. but to take out the garbage, that's not as coveted. People don't want to do that as much. But the temple's garbage, so to speak, to remove that was a highly coveted activity, and all the Kohanim wanted to do it. And they instituted a lottery because previously they had a different system, and that was a race. First come, first serve. But there were some tragedies that happened, and they switched it to a lottery system. The Talmud tells us there are actually two stories. One of them is an incredibly wild story, and one of them is also a sad one. There were two store. There were, there were two Kohanim who were running up. It Used to be that whoever got up first, they would do it. So the, the Talmud tells us that there were two Kohanim, and they're both running up the ramp, and they were about. Uh, it was neck and neck, and one of them pulled out a knife and stabbed the other one in his heart. He was so committed to get to get it first. He murdered the other guy. And the Talmud tells us that it, it really was a crazy story because you cannot have a dead body in the temple. And the father of the murdered person was also present. And he says the, 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 that his own child was dying and he's thinking, well, the, the child's not dead yet and therefore the the, the, the knife is not impure yet. And if we could pull the knife out and there wouldn't be impurity, conferred to the knife. Thomas said, this is a crazy, crazy story. Like, you think about how crazy. At first, the guy stabs him and the father's worried about the purity of of the knife. And the commentaries there tell us that this is right before the destruction of the temple, or it was at some point before the destruction of the temple, where the sanctity of life was diminished in the eyes Of the people, and the father of the person being killed is more concerned about the purity of the knife than the death of his son. But this did not change the policy. This story, this crazy story, the the Cohen who did it was obviously a little crazy, a little cuckoo. He was mentally unwell, and therefore this was not enough to get them to change the policy. But there was a second story that Talmud tells us. Again, a close race down to the finish line, and there was no murder that happened there. Instead, one of the contestants shoved the other guy off the altar, and he tumbled down the altar, and he broke his leg. And this, the Kohanim reasoned, this is something which could happen again, and therefore they changed it to a lottery system, we are not going to have this mayhem of uh, free-for-all, it's going to be a lottery system. Any Kohen who has never had the privilege of offering, of, of doing this service, of removing the ashes, they were a candidate and they would put up one finger or two fingers and they would throw out a number and they would count. They would have a lottery system to find out which Kohen is going to do this mitzvah 131 of removal of the ashes. Now, I will tell you that a couple of years ago on Parsha's Tsav, I recorded a Parsha podcast on this subject, on this ceremony of the removal of the ashes and the secrets that are there. I, there were a bunch of interesting questions. I'm not going to go through everything that we talked about, but maybe you could find it and listen to it. The title of the podcast is Parsha Tsav: Ashes, Ashes, We All Rise Up. And the questions that I posed were, you know, what's the point of this mitzvah? Like you, you there's a lot of ashes there and you want to clear them away. We'd get that, but you only remove one shovel full. Number one. Number two, why is this so desirous? All the Kohanim are clamoring to do this mitzvah and they, they one guy even did a murder because of it. Another guy shoved the guy off the uh, off the altar and they had to do a lottery system everyone was so desirous of it. What's the idea? And question number three was, you know, Typically, the the direction in the temple is things go on top of the altar. The animals go up on the altar. Things are brought to the altar. And here we have the opposite process. Things that are on the altar are removed from the altar. There's got to be some symbolism behind that. Why are we taking these ashes? And there's a mitzvah to take them from the altar and bring them in the opposite direction to remove them off the altar. Typically, we think of things to go there, not to be removed. So, what's the secret of it? So, I will tell you to listen to it. I think it was uh, quite uh, interesting. Um, what does it represent? Why is it so cherished? And what is the idea of taking it off the altar? I will share with you one idea. This is, I'm not sure if we mentioned that in this podcast, but this is a famous idea on this notion, on this mitzvah. Think about it. The first activity done every single day in the temple. The very first thing that we do. You take some ashes and you take them off the altar. Those ashes represent what we did yesterday. Before you start working on today's project, you remove some bit of yesterday's accomplishments. There's a famous essay by Rav Hirsch. Where he elaborates on this point, there's the importance of looking forward. We tend to, if we have a great day yesterday, we, we like to coast on, on the previous day's successes. And you can become very complacent. You could kind of reach a plateau and say, well, I did some great stuff yesterday. Today I could take a day off. It's important. To remove a little bit of your association with yesterday's accomplishments so that you can begin anew. Because if you are just happy with what you did yesterday, that's going to be the enemy of future progress. So if there's a mitzvah to remove yesterday's mitzvah, to kind of dissociate yourself from what you accomplished yesterday, not everything. Because you're, you're still building on yesterday's accomplishments. You don't remove all the ashes. But you have to symbolically start from scratch. On one hand, you perpetuate some of the great accomplishments of yesterday and yesteryear, but you also remove a little bit so that way you can start from scratch, start from fresh. You're not born a new every day. You're building on yesterday's accomplishments, but you don't want to rely on it and to become complacent and to just say, well, I did already enough. If you're still alive, you still have much to do. This is Mitzah number 131, the ashes of the altar. To remove him every day, a shovelful done by the Kohen, wearing the special ashes garments. And this is Mitzvah number 131, to remove the ashes from atop the altar. My email address is RabbiWolby at gmail.com. I hope to get an email from you with a question or comment or feedback and to hear from you soon. The email address is RabbiWolby at gmail.com.